It's happened to all of us. We go on social media to check a message or to see how someone is doing. An hour later, we realize that we have wasted time simply scrolling and looking at posts that have almost nothing to do with our lives. Welcome to This Divine Moment, a podcast where we learn to notice, pay attention to, and respond to the work that God is already doing in each of our lives. Today, we're going to talk about how distractions can serve as divine moments that remind us to fight for focus. Well, hey, everyone, welcome to this divine moment. I am your host, Ben Cornick. If you don't know me, I am a husband and a father. I'm a pastor, but I'm much more than that. I am someone who gets very easily distracted. Every single day, I get distracted by things. Like, I I can't help it. I don't know about you, but I feel like it is so easy to get distracted in life. And recently, I've been thinking about questions like, what if you spend so much of your life distracted that you get to the end of your life and you realize that you missed what was important? Like, I think about questions like that all the time because it helps bring things back into focus. Just tonight, I had a moment where what I wanted to do was watch The West Wing Um, I don't know about you, but I have certain shows that I really love to watch over and over again, and one of those for me is The West Wing. My wife thinks that I am such a nerd for enjoying that show. Just the other night, I had it on, and she walked in, and she she literally went, ugh, can't you get into another show? (laughs) Um, But I wanted to watch West Wing and just scroll Instagram. And instead, I went, no, I need to go record the podcast. So um, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get sucked into doing other things. And it actually pulls you away from the things that are really important. And um, it's important that we think about that stuff. But I've noticed that distractions can come in many forms. They can come in the little things, but they can come in the big things too. Uh, I was just having a conversation with a friend a few days ago, and he was telling me about uh, how life is going for him right now. And it was interesting because he talked about the importance of figuring out his career path. And as he was talking about it, he was just so emphatic about having to figure these things out and why it's important. And, And then I thought about a moment that I had with a different friend who is on the cusp of retiring. And uh, he, he actually, instead of saying he's retiring, he likes to say that he's repurposing. And I love that because uh, that's the truth, is that uh, your, your purpose doesn't leave you. You just are changing what that purpose looks like. And so um, anyway, uh, he is in a place where he is leaving a career that he's done for 35 years. And I look at that and I go, well, wait a second. Um, why would we put so much time and energy into a career? I mean, society says go to college, get a job, build your career, and focus all your energy on that. Make sure that you are the best in your field, field. Make sure that you're the best in your organization. And then one day they just give you a a gold watch or a, a little globe with your name on it, and they say thanks for your service, and then you ride off into the sunset. And then what? And so I had a divine moment 
as this friend was talking to me, um, ironically, I was distracted. Uh, I wasn't hearing him for a little bit because all of a sudden my mind went on this huge tangent about the idea of fighting for focus. I thought, man, we have to fight for focus because distractions don't just come in the little things like scrolling on social media. Distractions also come in the big things like our career. Um, and maybe maybe you're not a career person. Maybe you say, no, I, I decided to be a stay-at-home parent. Well, the, sometimes then the the fact is that you could have all the things in life that feel so big and important um, like making sure your kids uh, get into a good school or making sure your kids are part of a certain program or uh, what, whatever it might be, um, those things, though they're important, you have to make sure that you're prioritizing and focusing on them in a way that's actually healthy. And, um, and, you know, and then, of course, dishes pile up and laundry piles up and those things, um, as much as those need to be done, they can serve as distractions as well. I, I once talked to someone who told me that they are really good at distracting themselves with things that seem important enough so that they can avoid the things that they know need to be done, but they don't want to do them. So, for example, they would do the dishes uh, as opposed to having a difficult argument with a family member that they know that they need to have. Or not a difficult argument, a difficult conversation that they know that they need to have. And so, um, so anyways, there's so many distractions that can come. And you have to hear me. Am I saying that careers are bad? Of course not. Is college wrong? No, I'm not saying it is. For some people, it might not be the right thing. Is being a stay-at-home parent a bad thing? No. Is trying to get your kids into a good school or a certain program, uh, keeping up uh, with your house and making sure it's clean, are any of these things wrong or bad? No. Um, so what I'm talking about is a little bit different. What I'm talking about is pr- priorities. How do you prioritize these things And then how do you maintain focus to make sure that your priorities are staying where they need to? Um, A a great example I can give you of this is our physical health. Um, How often have you decided to prioritize your physical health, but then over a period of days or weeks or months, other things begin to creep in? You begin to get distracted. You lose your focus. And before you know it, uh, you were working out five days a week and now you're working out one day a week. Or you were really counting all your calories or uh, focusing on what you were eating. And now you uh, will eat things without paying attention to it. And you'll, you'll forget how many calories you had or, you know, whatever, whatever you do to keep yourself physically fit, um, you realize that you've been distracted. A few years ago, I, re- I read a book called Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And he talks about how the most uh, productive or history-changing people in the world have always been people who got really uber-focused on a very few things. Um, He he said that for many people, having a focus on just two to three major things in life is what causes uh, people to be successful. It's what separates the people who... Um, love their life and make a difference from those who are just kind of existing day to day and trying to make it through. 
Um, it's an incredible book. Uh, some people, it might not be their type of thing. If you're not really into like productivity, business type books, you might not love it. Um, but you could always find uh, podcasts that he's done and different shows that he's been on where he's explained his thought process. But essentially what it comes down to is that the idea of essentialism is that you choose a few things in life that you are going to be about and that is it. Now, in our society, that seems crazy. Like, we, we want to do it all. We want to do everything. We want to be involved in all of it. We want to go to all the places, do all the things, uh, try all the careers, do, do whatever it is that we feel like doing. Um, often, the people in our society who get a lot of praise are those who are generalists, those who uh, have traveled all these places or done all these things. Um, and yet limiting ourselves is actually better. I was just listening to a podcast where, uh, there's a woman describing this idea that in our current generation, in our culture, this idea of committing yourself to something and limiting yourself, uh, feels like such a terrible thing that, uh, there's a value of keeping your options open. And the problem though, is that if you keep your options open, at the end of at the end of the day, all you might have are options. Like you know, you, you don't have anything to show. You do, you haven't actually done anything because you never committed yourself to something to be able to actually say this is what I've accomplished. This is what I've done. And so she said it's actually uh, very freeing. It's it brings freedom when you commit yourself to something bigger than yourself. When you limit yourself. Uh, so, for example, if you're someone who um, maybe maybe you had a point in your life where you had all these different job opportunities and you didn't want to limit yourself. So you didn't really commit yourself to one career track or something. And now you're at a place where um, you don't have as many job opportunities. Um, what I found is that when you really commit yourself to a certain field, um, those are when the job offers will come later down the road. Uh, so for example, if you are really good at a certain craft or a certain uh, line of work and you commit yourself to it and you become really good at it, later on, there's going to be people who notice that and they're going to want to hire you for that. Now, is every company in the world going to want to hire you? No, there will be a few, but it'll be the few organizations that are looking for the person who does what you do. And so this idea of essentialism, this idea of limiting yourself, it's actually better than this value that we hold in our society of leaving your options open. And uh, I was actually just able to share a message this last weekend at my church, and I talked about how um, there's actually scientists who have proven through the data that they've collected that uh, monogamy or marriage is actually the best place for people to experience intimacy with one another, that having uh, multiple partners is actually not the best way for us to experience intimacy. And so it's interesting because uh, that's the same idea of limiting yourself, that when you limit yourself to one person, it actually becomes a better experience for both people. And so this idea of limiting ourselves is really a key idea when it comes to learning how to fight for focus. And I love um, how the Apostle Paul puts it. Now, if you're not familiar with who the Apostle Paul is, he was this leader in the early Christian church in the Middle East um, and in the Mediterranean area. 
And he was a church planter. Uh, He actually started off as somebody who would persecute Christians. He would have them sentenced to death. He had this incredible divine moment, this big encounter uh, with the presence of God. And he became uh, a follower of Christ. And then he became an evangelist. And eventually he became a church planter. And uh, it's really cool because he had such laser sharp focus in his life. He knew that his job was to preach Christ and Christ crucified. His job was to raise up leaders to take over the churches that he had planted and then to move on and do it again. I mean, he was so crystal clear about what God had called him to do. And not only that, but he was even clear on the group of people he was reaching. He was reaching Gentiles, which just literally means non-Jewish people. So he was a Jewish man, but he knew that God was calling him to reach Jewish people. So he was laser focused. And so he's teaching this young guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy is a guy that he was uh, raising up as a leader over one of the churches that he had planted. And in his letter to Timothy, he tells him this, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather he tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, I love this passage. Um, and that last sentence, it, it used to haunt me when I would first read this, because he says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight. And I'm like, Paul, no, just tell us what you meant. But the beauty is that we do have to have those moments where we really reflect on the scriptures. And the more I reflected on this, the more that I thought these are three areas in life that we often, even even in secular society, they will point to these three areas as great ways to learn focus. So for example, uh, if you've heard, heard of Jocko Willink, he's this great uh, guru when it comes to leadership and, uh, and he, he can tell you all day what it means to be able to focus. He can tell you all day what it means to be able to stay on mission and all of these things. And so uh, the, the military is a great example of people who know how to fight for focus because they are often in life or death situations where if you are not focused, if you are not laser focused on what you need to be doing, it could be the difference between life and death, not just for you, but for your entire unit. Then he goes on to the sports world. He says, an athlete doesn't receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And we still, in our society today, often we will look at athletes as these great examples of what it means to live a life of focus. Because these, these people are essentialists. Um, I remember reading an article years ago um, about Olympians, and uh, it still sticks with me today. They talked about the routines of Olympians, how everything for an Olympian is about uh, competing in this race. And the the crazy thing is, is that they might only compete in that race for uh, 50 seconds, but they will train for years for that 50 seconds because they want to be the gold medal winner. And so everything they eat, how they sleep, uh, you know, the, the shoes they wear, everything they do is all focused on becoming a better athlete. 
And if they have friends in their life who don't understand that, they cut those friends out of their life. And so it's crazy the the things that these Olympians will do to be able to compete in the Olympic Games. And then he says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And often we still look to the, the world of work, the business world, to look at people who are good examples of focus. Now, of course, you can find that in the trades and in agriculture, like Paul is talking about a farmer here. Um, but you can also look at the people who've built large companies or who have uh, perfected their, their, their particular skill in their uh, sector or you know, their arena of work. And we look at these people and we say, yeah, learn from them because they were focused and they were dedicated and they were diligent. And so Paul, it's interesting that he's using these three different areas that still today, a couple thousand years later, we are still looking to those three areas of society to learn what it means to focus. So what Paul is telling this young man, Timothy, to do is, you know what, Timothy, you have got to learn how to fight for focus. You've got to be able to know what's important to you and then cut out all the rest and be unashamed about it. Be unapologetic about it. Just be focused on what you know you need to be focused on and cut out the rest. So you and I, we need to decide what is important in our lives. And we can go back to that question that I asked near the beginning. What if you spend so much of your life being distracted that you get to the end of your life and you realize that you missed what was important. And so again, uh, is, is social media necessarily an evil thing? No. Is having a career a bad thing? No. Are, is doing the dishes bad? No. But make sure that you are keeping everything in priority. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I, I once heard this analogy of having the big rocks in your life. You've got to decide what the big rocks are, the things that don't move, the things that you put in your calendar and in your life, and they just stay there. So for me, my big rocks are, uh, first, of, first of all, my time with God. Every single day, I want to spend time with God. Uh, usually for me, what that looks like is I spend some time reading the Bible um, I try to read five Psalms a day. I try to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. And then often I'll read a, a little chunk out of the Old Testament and a little chunk out of the New Testament. Um, sometimes I'll listen to the Bible on audio. You can do that with the Bible app, uh, which is provided by Life Church. And uh, you can just literally turn on the Bible. There's a little audio uh, button that you push, you hit play. And someone reads the Bible to you. Um, I do that often when I'm driving or uh, when I'm waiting for something because uh, it's just a great way for me to stay engaged in God's word. So every day I try to engage with God's word and then I spend time in prayer and I commit myself to God and whatever will uh, he has for me that day. And then um, I want to make sure that I'm listening to him. You know, what, what, what might he want to say to me? as I get ready for my day. And then I try to stay connected to him throughout the day. So that time with God is one of my big rocks. I will not let that move. Um, another one is my time with my family. That looks like doing dinner together. That looks like uh, when we make family plans, um, I'm going to make sure that nothing gets in the way of that. 
That looks like the Sabbath. Uh, that, of course, that's part of my time with God, but that's also uh, for my family. And so those are big rocks that don't move. Uh, one of my big rocks that doesn't move is preaching the gospel. Um, I'm, I'm blessed and privileged to be able to uh, preach the gospel a couple times a month at a church that I work at called Christ the Rock. And, um, and of course, I teach through multiple portions of the Bible, but every time I preach, I get up and for a portion of my message, I make sure that I give a clear gospel presentation. Um, it's a really important conviction to me. I want to spend my life preaching the gospel, Christ and Christ crucified. Um, I want to make sure that people understand who Jesus is, what he did for them, and how they can respond. Even this podcast is part of that for me, that every single week on this podcast, I share the gospel. I share the gospel of Jesus Christ by sharing that Jesus died for our sins, he rose again from the grave, and he's coming back again someday to establish a new heavens and a new earth, and he wants you to be a part of that. That's why paying attention to divine moments is so important to me, because I believe those are some of the best moments for us to lean into and experience the power of the gospel in our lives. Because the gospel isn't just information. The gospel is this powerful message that brings change in our lives. And I heard the gospel when I was 15 years old. And now I live this life where, to me, God is real. And he's involved in my life. And all these things that are happening, um, I have divine moments because I believe that God is at work in my life. And the gospel is what led me to believe that. So that's a big rock that is not going to move. Um, life-giving time or time with life-giving friends. I have these really life-giving friends. I've, I've got a, a handful of them in my life. And I make time in my calendar to spend time with them because that's important for filling my soul. Um, time working out. I want to make sure that I have time in my schedule every week for working out. Um, and then taking care of the things that God has put me as a steward over. Uh, so tonight, uh, I spent some time out in the yard mowing the lawn and weed whacking because that is, uh, God has given me this house. He's given me this yard and I, I have to take care of the things that he has given me because God wants us to be good stewards over what he's given us. He tells us that if we're faithful with whatever he gives us, he will trust us with more. And God always wants to trust us with more. And so these are things that don't move in my life. And it means not only is it a priority in um, the way I feel about my life, but it shows up in my calendar. It shows up in the way I spend my money. It shows up in the way I plan out my day. It shows up in the things that I'll do first, and then I'll do other things later. So uh, so I might, I might have other things that I want to get to, but I'm going to make sure that I spend time uh, in God's word, time with my family, uh, time sharing the gospel with other people, time with my friends, time working out, and then I can get to some of the other stuff that's on my list. And so you've got to decide what are the big rocks in your life? What are the things that just will not move? See, some things might change from season to season. Uh, in one season, you might focus on certain things. In another season, you might focus on other things. But the big rocks, those don't change. Those are the things that stay the same. And a way to think about that is if you've got these big rocks that have been thrown into a stream, and you think about your stream, or you think about your life as a stream, 
Well, there's always water coming down. There's always uh, movement happening. But the big rocks are the things that just stay in place. And so what are your big rocks? You got to figure that out. I would recommend praying. I would recommend talking to other people in your life and figuring out what those big rocks uh, look like for you. Um, Some of the seasonal changes that happen might be uh, how you spend your time working. It might be how you spend your time doing certain hobbies. It might be uh, what you spend time with uh, when it comes to people like friends or family. So for example, I'm in a season where my boys are at ages where a lot of our time together looks like watching um, the weirdest YouTube videos. I, I don't understand what kids watch on YouTube. Uh, like I'll, I'll say, hey, we, we pay for all these different really well done shows. Why don't we watch one of those? And they go, no, I want to watch a kid open up toys. Okay, sure. Let's do that instead. Um, So right now, that's a lot of what I spend time doing with my kids is things like that or playing games. Well, in a few years, um, I'll probably be spending time with them in very different ways. So from season to season, um, how that time is spent and what it looks like might look different, but the priority stays the same. I'm going to spend time with my boys because someday they're going to move out of my house And by that time, I want to have built such a good relationship with each of them that they trust me and that they still want to spend time with me. Um, Not because they have to, because they live in my house, but because they want to. And so that's a big goal of mine. And that is why that is a big rock that's never going to move. And so here's, here's something you can do to help yourself with this process. Stay honest with yourself. Get radically honest with yourself about what is important to you. And if you're not sure, be radically honest about that. Why am I not sure? What is preventing me from um, being able to name these things? It might be a lack of courage. Maybe you're just afraid of committing to the wrong things. It might be a FOMO. Maybe you're gonna. Maybe you feel like you're gonna miss out if you commit yourself to certain things and you limit yourself. Uh, So you've got to be really honest with yourself. What is holding you back? Um, what are the things that you need to commit yourself to? Where are the areas in your life where you've been lacking in focus and you haven't been prioritizing and things have been falling apart? Where, where are the relationships that require more time and attention? Um, how's your health doing? How's your mental health? How's your physical health? Um, how is your career? Like if you do have a career, um, are you prioritizing that in the right way? Um, how's your relationship with God? These are all the questions. Be really radically honest with yourself and actually evaluate where is your life at? Ask yourself that other question I've been asking. When you get to the end of your life, are you going to regret the way you spent your time? And if you would say, yeah, I think I'm going to, then change it. Start making different decisions because each of us has the power to decide how we're going to respond to the things that are happening in our lives. And then once you've established what these big rocks are, once you've established focus, stay crystal clear. Every single day, don't just say things like, yeah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be more present to my family. That sounds really cool, but say things like, every night, my family and I are going to have dinner together. Or every day, I'm going to work out for at least 15 minutes. I, I mean, whatever it is for you, get crystal clear about it. Make it something that's actionable. Go back to that old, uh, you know, smart goals uh, type of an idea 
and really decide that it's going to be something that you can actually make it actionable, measurable, all of those things. And so um, stay crystal clear about it and then invite feedback from others. If you're married, talk to your spouse and say, what do I need to be prioritizing? Talk to close friends, talk to family members, talk to whoever you need to, uh, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, uh, talk to anyone that you think can give you valuable feedback on what priorities you need to be focusing on and what are the things that maybe you don't need to have as much focus on. And again, I'm not saying like don't have fun. Maybe part of your prioritizing is uh, you never have fun. And so maybe once a week, you need to schedule time to uh, go do something that is fun and life-giving to you. So I don't want you to think this is just all about uh, productivity and getting things done. No, this is about living the kind of life that when you get to the end of it, you're going to look back and say, I am so thankful for the way that I spent my time. Because the way we spend our days is the way we spend our lives. And so we got to be really crystal clear about this. And of course, you can, you can look into all sorts of these uh, ways of prioritizing, like block scheduling, um, batching your different activities together, creating artificial deadlines for yourself. So sometimes the best way you can keep focus is by saying, um, I have to get this done by this time, even though nobody else is expecting you to, it will help you stay on track and stay focused. You can create boundaries for yourself. So you can say on these days, I only do these things on those days. I never do this. Uh, whatever it is that you need to do, uh, look into those things and help yourself out. But again, th- this is, this is one of those things that it has to be you deciding how you want to spend your life, how you want to spend your days, and then fighting for focus. It's not easy, but the fruit of what comes out of it is so worth it. And so may you learn what it looks like to fight for focus. May you learn what priorities need to exist in your life. May you figure out what the big rocks are for you. And may God help you to see the way you ought to spend your days because the way you spend your days is the way you will spend your life. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me for this divine moment. If you like this podcast, I would love it if you would leave a review or a rating. And even if you would share it with your friends and family on social media, because the more that you do things like that, the more that people will find this podcast and the more that we can be a part of their lives and helping more and more people notice, pay attention to, and respond to the work that God is already doing in each of our lives. Well, thanks again for joining me, and I will see you again next week for another episode of This Divine Moment.